Well, hello everybody, and welcome back to Mastering Risk Management. I'm Anthony Wilson, and today's episode, episode number 18, uh, probably a little overdue. It's part two of the white paper that my colleague Dr. Paul Guignard and myself wrote uh, back in March. Uh, it has been released in two parts uh, by the Risk Management Institute of Australasia, and uh, Part two was just released in October, just in time for their Gold Coast conference. So I thought it timely uh, as a last podcast of 2018 to uh, read part two of the paper, The Future of Risk, The Rise of AI and the Role of Human Capability. So in summary, uh, the paper is about organisations, employees, contractors facing a turbulent future impacted by new digital technologies such as artificial intelligence, global connectivity, big data and robotics. But the future's here now. It brings change at a continuously accelerating pace and presents many risks and challenges, but it also affords great opportunities. The authors present a model for describing this risk and challenge in the form of a turbulent environment heat map and a strategy to manage it. They introduce a model of capability and show how it can be used to develop a response that involves magnifying the impact of human brains as an essential component for working successfully with AI. They consider the impact of current trends on the future of risk, its main characteristics, and discuss its impact on the risk function. In part one, we covered the rise of AI creating a turbulent environment. In the second part, we'll introduce a capability model and look at the role of human capability and its interplay with AI. We'll consider the impact of the current trends on the future of risks, its main characteristics characteristics, and the likely impact on the risk function and its practitioners. So, part two, the impact of human capability. As discussed earlier, human capability, along with its supporting systems, will be a key differentiator between those firms wanting to create their own future and those that will be shaped by the turbulent environment engulfing them. But what is human capability? In their HBR article, Smallwood and Ulrich acknowledge that whilst there is no magic list of capabilities appropriate for every organisation, they do identify 11 capabilities that well-managed companies tend to have. Firstly, talent, attracting, motivating and retaining competent and committed people. Second, speed, good at making important changes rapidly. Third, shared mindset and coherent brand identity, positive and consistent experiences of the organisation by employees and customers. Fourth, Accountability, able to obtain a high performance from employees. Fifth, collaboration, work across boundaries to ensure efficiency and leverage. Six, learning, generate and generalise ideas with impact. Seven, leading, embedding leaders throughout the organisation. Eight, customer connectivity, build enduring relationships of trust with targeted customers. 9. Strategic unity. Articulate and share a strategic point of view. 
10. Innovation. Good at doing something new in both content and process. And finally, number 11, efficiency. Good at managing costs. Interestingly, a 2010 McKinsey survey found that only a third of companies actually focus their training programs on building the capability that adds the most value to their company's business performance. This dichotomy will be further exacerbated by the additional turbulence created by AI, intelligent machines and the fourth fourth industrial revolution more broadly. The determinants of human capability. Human capability is multidimensional. Multiple perspectives or views are required to get a true measure of capability and of the opportunities to improve it. In working with organisations, the writers use a six-dimension model for measuring and considering organisational capability developed by the Capability Institute. The model, shown in Figure 4, expresses the different dimensions embodied in competitive markets with a view to achieving enhanced flexibility, dynamism, innovation and performance in organisations. Shown is the Capability Module model. It consists of six elements, leadership and management, organisational model, infrastructure and resources, relationships, communication and learning, customer understanding and focus, collaboration and competition, and finally, the rewards and appreciation environment. Each dimension contains several sub-dimensions which together provide a fine-grained understanding of the situation inside the organisation and its teams. When considered in terms of the performance of the organisation and in the context of the threats and opportunities, collectively the risks, the model provides an insight into the areas where capabilities might be lacking within the firm. Magnifiers of personal capability. The effectiveness of personal capability is determined by the way it is leveraged in teams and in the organisation. It is well known that some teams create environments that thwart personal effort, and similarly, that organisations can have environments that thwart team effort. This is destructive. High effectiveness depends on the three perspectives interacting synergistically towards agreed and shared objectives. Personal capability team capability and organisational capability need to work together and magnify their respective capabilities. Team capability. A team capability assessment, whilst using the same six dimensions, is an exercise to understand the capability of a particular business unit or function to be an invaluable part of the organisation. It also assesses the interaction of team members within the team, and how that either enhances or stymies individual performance. Which way this falls depends on a multitude of drivers that include the leadership of the team manager, how the team is remunerated, the team dynamic, and personalities of the individual members, and the access the team and its members have to resources. Team dynamics can be complex, but a capability assessment helps the team understand their effectiveness and how improving capability is a force multiplier in this regard. Organisational capability. 
Similarly, organisational capability has a big bearing on the performance of the teams and individuals within it. As we can see from the six dimensions, part of the organisational capability revolves around things like structure and resources, processes and systems and tools. But a large component of it is in the culture, attitudes and behaviours sponsored and promoted by senior management and the board of directors. It is this visible statement of expectations that set the starting point for what the organisation is capable of at a company, team and individual level. Do organisations need to improve their capability? Decidedly yes. There is ample evidence for it. In 2003, HBR reported a success rate below 50% for initiatives. And it isn't getting any better. Last year, Scott Kirsner stated, when a CEO announces a major initiative to foster innovation, mark your calendar. Three years later, many of these ambitious ventures will have quietly expired without an obituary, as quoted in HBR 2017. This is corroborated by the Boston Consulting Group. The evidence, including self-reported CEO data, indicates that 50% of change programs fail to achieve their objectives. The failure rate rises to 75% for more complex and ambiguous programs. These rates have remained much the same for the past few years. Quoted in BCG, Getting Smart About Change Management, January 2017. According to Change First, 28% of change initiatives are abandoned, 46% end up being behind schedule or over budget, and a whopping 80% are not used in the way they were intended, published by Change First in 2015. The unsatisfactory statistics quoted above clearly illustrate the interplay of personal, team and organisational capability. Change is required at the three levels if better results are to be obtained and some starting considerations are listed for your consideration below. What role will senior leaders play in the project? Are the objectives and strategy clear? Is ownership of the project distributed or is it pushed down? How much initiative will managers be able to exercise? Have we resourced the project with sufficient and the right resources? What does our planned communication program look like? And are status updates going out frequently to all staff? Which teams need to work together within the project group and with others? And what impact will this have on their business as usual expectations? These questions and others related to capability must be asked before the project is initiated. Projects that are under pressure and showing signs of failing can benefit from an analysis using the Six Dimensions model to determine what needs to change to get the project back on track. No matter when the analysis is performed, as pointed out earlier, the appropriate culture and capability must exist, ready to be leveraged to the emerging challenges. At present, it is senior managers who design and run teams and organisations and hire, mentor and develop people. Their capability is critical. Personal capability is the foundation of success upon which teams 
and organisations thrive or fail. The use of AI. The use of AI and robotics falls into two major categories. As replacement of humans for an ever-increasing variety of semi-routine and administrative tasks, and those where big data and analytics coupled with deep learning can generate new insights. The second category relates to assisting humans in what they do best. It is this second role which we will consider here. The attributes above, although human and not likely to be taken over by machines in the foreseeable future, could nonetheless benefit from AI. A practical example of this man-machine interface has emerged from work done by researchers at Stanford University. The machine learning group, combined with an assistant professor of radiology, used a public data set of over 112,000 chest x-rays with up to 14 possible pneumonia pathologies. After about a month of iteration, the algorithm outperformed four individual radiologists in diagnosing pneumonias, Stanford 2017. And do the team see the algorithm replacing radiologists? This tool could help reduce the amount of missed cases of pneumonia and significantly accelerate radiologist workflow by showing them where to look first, leading to faster diagnosis for the sickest patients. More generally, in a clinical environment, the human attributes of empathy and social skills are likely to keep playing a major role, whatever help is provided by AI in diagnosis and treatment planning. This role may even become dominant as clinicians are relieved of some other tasks by AI. Other examples not restricted to medicine could see AI help diagnose gaps or shortcomings in communication, flexibility, collaboration and present options to humans to help them make better decisions. Similarly, case studies related to values and ethics could significantly help humans make better decisions in these areas. This is likely to become an important area for future development. Impact on the risk function. The issues highlighted in the previous section and earlier parts of this paper make it clear that the risk function needs to adapt. It needs to prepare and equip, equip itself for new, rapidly emerging risks. Like individuals, teams and the organisation itself, the risk function should also perform a capability health check on itself, not only on what it does, but what it will need to do in the turbulent future. Like most business functions today, risk teams have access to a plethora of data. Making use of it in an efficient and effective way is essential. As already mentioned, this is one area where AI and machine learning will magnify the impact of the risk team's efforts. How will it lead? What resources will it need? What relationships will be key? And how will it collaborate with them? Who will it be competing with for resources? And how will its efforts be rewarded? These are just a few of the questions risk leaders of the future need to be asking today. The future of risk. 
The considerations above give a sense of the enormous magnitude and challenge of the risk environment of the future. Despite its unpredictability, it's possible to draw some preliminary outlines for the future of risk and how to control it. Deal with turbulent environments. Risk will no longer be dominated by individual events that can be handled one at a time. Instead, the major risks will arise from continuous change and challenges associated with turbulent environments. Using this, the river analogy, which we referred to in the first part of the paper, the future of risk will be linked with developing models and strategies for dealing with the dynamism, unpredictability and relentlessness of turbulent flow, mainly created by new digital technology. This means models and strategies for dealing with relentless change, innovation and transformation. This will require agility on the part of organisations, their teams and employees, and the pressure on organisations will be linked to the frequency of the change events. A turbulent environment heat map is a convenient way to visualise the overall pressure being put on an organisation. It shows that the highest risk is associated with high frequency and low agility. Being agile and able to deal with frequent change will determine the resilience of organisations to cope with the future. Develop a capability and culture for change, innovation and transformation. The ability to deal with change, innovation and transformation is then closely associated with the risk level in organisations. This in turn depends strongly on whether a capability and culture for change and transformation exist. This is because, unless dealing with change is set in the DNA of the organisation, that is, in its structure and systems, in its team and its employees, then the pace of change will overrun the organisation. More than in the past, managing risk will mean managing capability and culture. Magnifying human capability. Unsurprisingly, organisational resilience, capability and culture all depend on the interplay of personal capability with team capability and organisational capability. The objective is to create an environment where culture and capability at these three levels create a positive synergy, a virtuous cycle that magnifies each contribution. Unless this is created, the organisation may face serious difficulties. A simple way to apprehend this situation is to view teams and organisations as magnifiers of human capability. The capability model we propose deals with these three levels and makes it possible to manage them constructively. As capability contains culture, the above implies that culture needs are also to be addressed by this approach. Develop a capability and culture ecosystem. Developing an organisation-wide capability and culture ecosystem is an effective way to manage, magnify human capability. Such an ecosystem comprises three elements. A versatile and effective capability model, supported by appropriate methodology for its engagement, and an infrastructure for communication, knowledge sharing, learning and managing change projects. Work with intelligent machines. Intelligent machines are the great disruptors and the great enablers. 
Organisations need to seize the opportunities created by the new technologies. In addition, AI has the potential to magnify these human attributes that machines do not possess, such as emotional intelligence, creativity, cognitive flexibility, collaboration, ethics, and the selection of purpose and missions. These attributes will continue to play a determining role in the success or otherwise of organisations. Working with intelligent machines, then, has two faces, and managing risk effectively means leveraging the potential of AI towards enhancing human attributes. There's no avoiding it. The risk management profession will also be impacted by the turbulent environment facing organisations. And like organisations, the profession itself and its practitioners will have to change. What will all this look like? There'll be no one-size-fits-all outcome for organisations. Indeed, like a good risk management program, the approach should be tailored for each different organisation. To remain relevant, the risk profession needs to take on board the challenges mentioned above. That is, it needs to take an active role in detecting shortcomings in the capability and culture for dealing with change, innovation and transformation. In our view, it also needs to look at human capability and concern itself with its impact on team and organisational risk. Finally, it needs to consider the impact of intelligent machines on risk and their potential contributions towards increasing these attributes of human capability that machines do not possess. There is little doubt in the author's view that risk managers need to take the lead in addressing the challenges discussed in this paper. It is both an opportunity and a threat. The opportunity is to play a more central role in the life and success of organisations. The threat, if no initiative is undertaken, is one of relevance. To remain relevant, risk managers need to engage forcefully. Well, that's it. That's part two of our paper. And I hope that you enjoyed that reading. Our paper, as I mentioned at the start, is called The Future of Risk, The Rise of AI and the Role of Human Capability. It's uh, by Dr. Paul Gunyard and myself, Anthony Wilson. Uh, It's available on uh, my website, www.proximityriskassurance.com.au. It's also available on Paul's website, which is www.capabilityinstitute.com. So hopefully you've enjoyed the reading uh, of part two of our white paper. Um, As I said, you can get that from our websites as well. Uh, This is the last podcast for 2018. Uh, It'll be up just before the new year. So uh, I hope you've had a great 2018 you've enjoyed uh, a great festive season but also a very productive and um, profitable business and personal uh, 2018 2019 is just around the corner at the time of recording this podcast and like 2018 it's going to bring plenty of uh, interesting challenges lots of risks and they are both opportunities and uh, threats So there will be lots of risks and lots of things for us all 
as risk professionals to do. Thank you very much for your attention and your time and uh, your ears as you listened to this podcast over 2018. Uh, The podcast series will continue in 2019. As always, I'd welcome any thoughts or suggestions of subjects you'd like to cover in the podcast, uh, of people you'd like me to try and arrange uh, an interview or to interview on the podcast. Uh, Your participation is uh, always much appreciated. just contact me, Anthony W at proximityriskassurance.com.au or if it's easier, give me a call. Uh, I'm in Australia. My mobile number is 0404 829 Once again, thank you very much for your time. Uh, please enjoy a safe uh, New Year's Eve and uh, a great start to 2019 and we will talk to you in the new year. Thank you very much. Thank you.